Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, October 19th. 2022. It's about uh, 3.20 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. My guest is a well-known regular guest on Judging Freedom. Uh, He is former senior management at the Central Intelligence Agency and a longtime personal friend, Jack Devine. Jack, it's always a pleasure. Welcome here. Thank you. Can the Russians lose this war in Ukraine? Well, let me let me equivocate. They will lose. <laughs> they will lose. Right. They can't win. That, 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 that is not win. an equivocation. That that's even more forceful. You're I was saying being, they can lose. They're saying they will lose. Judge, how, I was, how I was they being possibly? facetious. I was being facetious. I was saying okay. with the declarative statement: they will lose. They cannot win. Can you explain, please? Well, look, I I keep referring to it. I mean, there's a lot of things I wrote that I hope no one ever finds, right? But, but on March of this year, right after the Russians went in, I got an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. And the top line says, Putin has sowed the seeds of his demise. And I'm hanging in there. This is one that I'm proud of. And it says what he did when he crossed, there's no road back. There's no win. You know, you're not Genghis Khan. You're not going to be able to run over the Ukraine driving it into uh, into the dirt. You know, this is, you're in a different point in time. And so what has happened, it's actually more drastic than I imagined when I'd written it. And that is, he's actually, it's not that he can't sustain an, against an insurgency like they tried in Afghanistan. He can't win the traditional part of it. He can't even get control over it before it starts to crumble. It crumbled when he went across. I didn't realize the poor condition of his military forces, their training, their leadership, communications, and the state of their equipment. And the other thing that I was talking to someone earlier today, ideas matter. You know, struggles between major powers and ideology, ideas matter. And I think if you scrape everything away, the feat against communism, the feat against fascism, is because democracy in the free world is a better idea. What is Putin's idea? He doesn't even have one. He's not a communist. He's not a, well, might have fascist tendencies, but he, he doesn't have an idea. It's me, and I'm, I'm trying to capitalize on national. I don't think you can beat the West. He underestimated how quickly we grasped our idea. When he invaded okay, you have, you have NATO, just- NATO, everybody, it's about the way the world's going to be. We're not we're not really confused on that aspect of it. All right, Jack, you have uh, used the phrase the West, <coughs> excuse me, and you've used the plural we. Yeah. Have we started World War III? Is this Putin against the West? It just appears to be Putin against Ukraine. 
Yeah, let me let me clarify my statement because I think that really I should have said I'm, West, listen, I'm not jumping, no, I'm not jumping I should down have said, I should have said the West and the Allies, Japan and you know whatever countries want to be. Okay, I, I get it. In but other words, but have, have we wittingly or unwittingly right begun a war of the West, whoever that is, against Russia? Well, what I would say is we were asleep. You know, comfortable with idea. Didn't think our idea was being threatened, right? So it was asleep. It wasn't imperialism. It wasn't like we are going to go and take Russia and convert it into our world. I mean, people have to look at it. Russia invaded a country, a neighboring country that had a democratic city. You don't maybe you didn't like the type of it, but it was. They had elections and you know, you could walk around the streets and do what you want. He invaded it without provocation. Well, he says all these wild things that he was being threatened. Russia was being threatened by a country without nuclear weapons. I mean, really, a, a country of smaller size. So it isn't. But when he crossed, then it became we again. In other words, why he was challenging the behavior that we signed up a large part of the world around a orderly, uh, democratic, free. Society that you don't invade each other's countries willy-nilly. Did the CIA participate in the uh, overthrow of the popularly elected government in Ukraine in 2014? Well, I have no definitive uh, answer, but I will tell you, I'd be amazed if they did. <laughs> now, well, isn't that what they do? Well, yeah, but I've been lecturing. Like you see good hunting up there, you see spy master, you do it very selectively. In fact, you're really onto a hot topic. You know, why don't we do it in Russia? Why don't we destabilize Iran? Look at the opportunities that's falling apart. And Jack Devine said in that wonderful op-ed, don't, don't do that inside because you're not as good as you think you are. And that isn't how it's done. In other words, you don't decide you're going to go in somewhere, somewhere and overthrow a government. The first step is you have to sit down and say, is there anybody in that country that happens to think the way I think? And what, what, what does it look like? How big are they? How strong are they? And what is the idea that you're pushing, right? So my point is, and I was very explicit in the op-ed, do not run some covert action operation. Some guy who's never been in, you know, who's been in the agency but never touched one, Let this guy will fall of his own weight if you let him keep doing what he's doing. However, just one fast thing on this, Judge. That doesn't mean we don't do anything. We're as strong as we can be. Don't meddle inside his country. He'll be able to rally people, and we will pick some Gucci guy who's not a real Russian, and he'll, he'll get slaughtered. So I'm saying let him fall on his own way. He is going to fall. There's no road back. Is it tomorrow or next month? I can't tell you. But um, we don't. CIA should not. Do you do you uh, do you I know you have a different audience than usual, and I enjoy their audience. But CIA's role is not to overthrow government; it should go at it reluctantly. And I'm an enthusiast for action. But all right, I will. I will not done. read. I will not read to you what the audience is saying. Oh, you people know, told me they have wild, wild ideas about me. And I, right. I but I, you know that I, uh, I regard, I regard our friendship. Uh, with gratitude and joy, and I deeply appreciate you being on the show, and you do bring out uh, a lot of strong opinions 
uh, from a I lot of that, my. And I welcome. And that's why this show is fun. I don't. I don't feel like talking to people that are going to say, "Jack, we agree with you." Let's have it out there. Let's have it. Okay. But, do you accept? But, do you accept the argument that Putin cannot keep his job or his life or his liberty if he loses, and therefore will do anything within his power to win? Well, no. <laughs> Let's go to no. Okay, then maybe that helps you. If he is losing, there's an arc today. I do not see him in jeopardy, but the grains of sand are moving under his feet, right? And the more he looks like a loser, the more he is a loser, the more his friends, his so-called fair weather friends will, will, will disappear. Before he gets to that desperation, he's not the only man in Russia that's going to be looking at it. And when he gets into that really last round of the fight, right? And his manager's sitting there in a the corner and he's bleeding and can't get, can't move his legs anymore. The towel comes. That means before he gets to the point where you might consider a nuclear weapon, he will be gone. He's not going to have enough support to get to that. That's Jack Devine's effect. Is he still secure in his job? That is, does he still have the support of the intelligence community around him, the elites around them, and the average Russians in the street. Well, there are different groups stating the obvious. Yes, of course. I yep. think the day he crossed the border, this is Jack's unscientific opinion. One third of the generals said, "Well, yeah, it's worth a shot. You know, we don't like the Ukrainians, right?" Another third said, look, I'm a good soldier. I don't like this idea. We'll go along. Another third said, this is crazy. This is a bad idea, right? But I'm going to keep my mouth shut because if I tell anybody, I don't know whether they're, they're going to report it and they're going to take me out. So there's a third that probably didn't want to do this in the upper command. Intelligence, whatever it is. I mean, the more you were experienced in intelligence, the dumber this idea looks no matter where you're sitting, right? So I would say today those numbers are changing. The only thing that hasn't changed is they're still not talking to each other. That gets to your second point about the people on the street. I don't see a cow's – he can be thrown out tomorrow. I'll give your audience that. But I don't I don't see it. It'll be a surprise, but not a total surprise. More likely what I think you have to see is his population, his popularity in the among the people fading and that there's continuing problems. It doesn't start, based on my experience in studying of this subject, the real coup plotting. That doesn't start until really late in the game. And I, you know, I was in Chile when I ended, it was overthrown. Okay. And there's a lot of popular nonsense out there. Your audience is really going to love me. But the CIA, <laughs> the CIA, you know, there was a, a dumb attempt to stop him from becoming president. The, the CIA said, don't do it. And the president of the United States, Richard Nixon, said, give it the college try. But it was a disaster. What happens is everyone forgot that that day we got an instruction saying no coup plotting. But there was a coup, and it came in 73. CIA, as late as August, still didn't think there would be a coup in that country. Now, my wife was the first person that got notice, official notice, there was going to be a coup. When did the generals decide to overthrow again? I'll tell you today. It was in June. And that was the day a group of six tanks, I think it was six, 
pulled in front of the Mineta. They were drinking all night. They pulled in front. And they were going to overthrow the six guys. And the commander of the chief of the armed forces went out and said, listen, you're a soldier. Get back in your tank and leave. So I'm telling you, I was part of the group that said, well, that's it. How are they ever going to overthrow Andy? This is it. You know, in the day, right. what happened? They left, let, let. they left that meeting, and that's the day the coup plot started because he said, our military instant institution is crumbling. We will take charge. Okay. okay. Let, let's come back. Let's come back. Let's come back to let's come back to Ukraine. How much of a setback for the Russians was the damage to the Crimea bridge? And were the CIA or MI6 involved in the planning of the explosions that took down a portion of that bridge? To the best of my knowledge, the answer is no. However, what I would say is. I think one of the major contributions that people fell asleep on is that the, that the friendly nations like the United States, you know, publicly it's in the press, and I believe the press, of course, that a lot of training took place by the best army on the face of the earth, right? Because we've been fighting 20 years. When do you see a difference? Of They're using tactics, but did they, they didn't need us to plan that, that attack. The, you, people keep underestimating the Ukrainians. It's not like they've never been in a fight. Russia talks about the great Russia. Well, Ukrainians are the one that, you know, stand down in Stalingrad. It wasn't the Russians. So my point is these are people who fight. So I, I don't think that's the case. Your question about the Crimea is important because I've been saying privately for a long time, you know, Putin's out there waving the nuclear weapon. That is psych warfare. The importance of attacking the Crimea and bringing the fight there, you can't underestimate how that impacted in the mind of the Russians, how it impacts the mind, its leadership, its military, and how it impacts on the Ukrainians. So I think it was a huge, huge thing. And, you know, I'm not ruling out that they're not going to take it back by force. That's the, when uh, the loser. That's when the plot starts. You, you got to pinpoint your day. In other words, it'll be, there'll be an event, and then that's why I went to the Chile thing. That day, when an institution, their personal institution, that's when they start plotting. Who uh, who damaged the Nord Stream pipeline? Oh, that's a good question. I, I I polled a lot of people. Right, I'll tell you what my poll was. It was like five five for the uh, Russians, you know, five five fifty uh, percent. Right, another three were for the Brits. Right. Uh, and then there was uh, one, well, one for the Ukrainians and one for the U.S. Right. So the point well, who, is, who are these? Who are these characters? Retired intelligence? No, I, I, I want to be fair. I do a cosmopolitan cross of people. They weren't all New Yorkers either. So my point was, when you get done with it, it's kind of where you come out. I mean, why would we do it? Why would the, I, I can tell you why we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't be able to coordinate it with Congress and everywhere else. The Brits wouldn't do it because they felt I gotta tell NATO, I gotta tell the United States, right? So then the United So there's bureaucratic reasons why not. And then well, Jack, I don't see the strategic reasons. Jack, MI6 and the CIA will do whatever they want. They're, MI6 is not right. gonna involve the oh. parliament. All they're so gonna do is tell their counterparts in Langley. Look, Judge, I see we have to go out and have a bottle of cognac so I can straighten you out on the on the CIA <laughs> and the MI6 are really like you have no idea. I had a lawyer on my right hand, right shoulder when 
when I became chief of Latin America and I suddenly got like equivalent like three stars, they said, well, I'm going to introduce you to your personal lawyer. He's going to read everything you write. Okay. Only in America will I tell you that happens. So my point is the CIA doesn't do what it wants. And this is something, and I want to stop kidding around. There are hundreds of covert action operations that have been run since the beginning of the CIA's formation. And uh, it's always been a controversial part, and I believe a really important part, by every president, uh, starting with uh, Truman. So, uh, but every one of them have been approved by the President of the United States. You cannot find one covert action operation in its history. I have not, and I've studied this, found one that wasn't approved. After the 70s, and I don't know whether it was 76 or 74, there is no covert action operation that takes place that is not signed by the signed by the President of the United States and the Congress. So did, uh, the did, Congress Joe Biden, did Joe Biden authorize American intelligence to attack the Nord Stream pipeline? Uh, Putin's not going to attack his own pipeline. That would mean he was insane. Well, I'm just going to tell you, what would happen is, if that was the United States, the President of the United States signed that order personally, and Congress, that bastion of secrecy, would have to have been briefed within 72 hours. You're what talking you about, you're talking about the... What do you the, think the chances uh, are that that could be a secret? Okay, you're talking about the Gang of Eight, which is the minority-majority leader in both houses and the chair and ranking member of both intelligence committees. Those are the people that would have to be briefed and briefed in a secure skiff. Yeah. Right. You probably did those, uh, those briefings. And what is good, the, but okay. there was a different world. Let me get this straight. Congress, Republicans, Democrats actually could work together on Cold War items. There was a unanimity of how, you know, there might be a difference about how much you put into it. But I was never, the least, in my experience, don't come from, from those meetings. They come from the White House, from the executive branch. Because somebody has an ax to grind, somebody wants to. Congress is actually pretty responsible in the area you're talking about. In my experience, despite all the misgivings people have about it, I have a lot of respect for that process. A few minutes ago, you mentioned Japan. Is Japan providing uh, assistance to the Ukraine's Ukrainian military? Japan's not in NATO. No, but I said earlier, and that's why you, you rightly corrected me. When I say we, I would include the Japanese. I would include all of our, our allies and, uh, and that the supported us in the past. Uh, so the in the case of the Japanese, I don't know of any specific weapon systems that they have that would be unique that would go there. But I, they're voting their support. Uh, I mean, as far as I know, but I've heard nothing that would lead me to believe that they need to. But I think if asked, they probably would. What is your view of uh, President Biden's recent belligerence, both towards uh, uh, President Putin and President Xi? I mean, do we really want to get into a land war trying to defend Taiwan from the biggest military in the world? Well, <laughs> We could talk style, and then we could talk geopolitics, right? And if I were talking geopolitics, and I was sitting down to national security, in the old days when I could sit down with Democrats and Republicans in Congress, you would say, look, and this is a really important point. Putin, from his childhood, believed we were the main enemy and we were out to get his Russia. In other words, he is a diehard anti 
West anti-American. He can smile at those cocktail parties, but people mis really misread him, okay? So uh, being tough with Putin, um, I mean, my, I love... <laughs> I love to mention my book in this context. I was too nice to Putin. I, I said he was a lousy strategic guy, but he was a good tactician. I take that back. He's not a good tactician, but he is a thug. So I'm not too worried about the political niceties of talking to him. She has a different problem. Here you have a major economic power. We have to get along on a lot of things of interest as far as the future of this world is concerned. Putin is small potatoes on where the world is going economically, politically. So we need to keep working to find accommodation. But she, you know, this isn't people really, you know, I talked about communism, it died everywhere. It died in a certain way in China, but they are communists. The structure is a communist. It's a very, but they've opened and used Western techniques, but they're not looking for freedom. So, you know, the question of how nice you want to be the she, but there's a practical side to that. When a guy declares war on your allies and declares war on you in essence, yeah, you get a different story. So there, there are two places. I think Teddy Roosevelt had it right, you know. You know uh, speak softly and carry a big stick. Well, Joe Biden, is, Joe Biden is not speaking softly, not about Taiwan. And I don't think he has the sticks necessary to defend Taiwan. I mean, we the, the Chinese Navy will blockade the island. We won't even be able to get troops and material there. Listen, ju <laughs> Judge, Putin thought, those Ukrainians, I'm going to roll right over them, right? Anytime you try and take an island, ask the people that did the Bay of Pigs. <laughs> Islands are really hard to do, okay? We didn't get to this. That's not cost-free. You know, they're not going to roll over Taiwan, okay? Uh I think if I were, I think the Chinese, I don't want to miss say more than I know. I think they looked at what happened to Putin and they said, well, we have a 20 year plan now. We had a five year plan. Now we have a 20 year plan for Taiwan. I think they reevaluated it. It's modern war. Look at this one. I mean, people have to get back and now start saying, how are we going to fight wars? Where's the Air Force? No, it's drones, it's javelins, it's, you know, it's a different battle out there. So, All right. Let me, what, are we, what are the big battleships and submarines going to do in Taiwan? Before, I mean, we, uh, before we conclude, Jack, let's circle back to uh, Ukraine. Does Putin seem to think that if he's vicious enough attacking Ukraine infrastructure and, and utilities, power, heat, water, uh, that NATO... Uh, and the United States will either stop getting involved or force Ukraine to a negotiating table. Is that his theory? He knows he cannot win on the battlefield. So therefore, he's he's not going to he's not a quitter. By the way, this is a, he's going to he's going to double down. He's betting that we're weak. In other words, he's betting just like you've described. Cold winter. We're not going to stay the duration. We're sprinters. He's a long distance runner. Okay. Uh, and you look at what he's doing. He's firing these rockets. And it's like the old days when we've had a threat. We shoot rockets out into the desert, right? And said, oh, there, take that. So he's he destroys buildings and civilians. He's not winning anything on the battlefield. It's, it's psychological. In other words, why do I wave uh, uh, nuclear weapons? Because people start cringing and getting worried. 
He's working to break our will psychologically. He cannot do it in the battlefield. When the flowers start popping, when the seeds pop in the spring, he, I want to see him sit down and analyze how, how right was it. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to see NATO, you're going to see the United States still supporting the Ukrainians. You see them still fighting. So you better come up, you better have a plan B. Jack, one of these days uh, we'll have a plan B and we'll uh, talk about history. I'm fascinated with the Bay of Pigs uh, and its domestic ramifications and the overthrow of Salvatore Allende. We'll get to that. Read my now, book, guys. I've sent, I've sent you autographed, and I think I put them in gold leaf, didn't I? Your books? Yeah. They yes. But yes, you there, did. I spell out under what conditions. This is the irony of it. I'm an advocate of the CIA. I mean, they didn't ask me. They don't pay me. <laughs> they like I like me to go away. But I'm an advocate for the, the mission. I'm an advocate for the use of covert action before you put a big army on the ground. But I am meticulous in saying, don't do this as a lark in some movie script. This is serious stuff. And these are the 10, 15 principles. So I'm going to leave you in deep suspense about what they are in your audience. And instead of your audience getting agitated about my... Not well, my my audience is agitated. I suggest they read, they, they read a little bit. More they read stuff. and they know my subject. personality. They know they know I like to stir the pot. Yeah, well, I, oh. I like to stir the pot. They like to stir the pot. So do I. So we have a oh. good group here together. Oh. So. Jack Devine, it's a pleasure. You're a oh, gentleman. We'll we'll do it again soon. Thank you, my and friend. Listen, I'm telling your audience, God bless America, because you are allowed to have these views that you have. Okay. Cherish them, and I welcome them. I'm that spirit. Fire away. Have yourself a good All time, right. because God bless America and our freedoms. God bless you too, Jack. Until the next time, Judge Napolitano for judging freedom. Judge it well. <laughs>